0: Going Home Jesus' friends were afraid, so they were hiding in an upstairs room with the door bolted shut. But that didn't stop Jesus. He just walked straight through the wall. It's a ghost, Thomas screamed and hid under the table, but it wasn't a ghost. I'm hungry, Jesus said. What's for lunch? Peter gave him a fish. They all hung back and watched him eat it. This can't be, they were telling themselves. It's impossible, it's not happening. But it was right in front of them. Mmm, delicious. Jesus wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and grinned. Can a ghost do that? He winked, and then they all laughed. I'm really here, Jesus said, and he really was. Peter's heart leapt with joy, and he fell into Jesus' arms, hugging and kissing him. The others followed. They felt their hearts would burst from the happiness. The friends ate together and chatted happily. And every now and then, they'd just gaze at Jesus and have to touch him to be sure they weren't dreaming. Jesus had a real body, but this body was better. It had come through death and couldn't get sick or be killed again. This body would live forever. Jesus had come back with a brand new body. Not only were sad things coming untrue, the friends realized, they were becoming new again. Was God going to make everything new? Jesus said, I am the saviour and the rescuer of the world. And they knew, because he couldn't stay dead, because Jesus had come alive again, that somehow everything would be all right. A few days later, as they walked together, Jesus told his friends, It's time for me to go home to my father. They all looked worried, and then they remembered what Jesus had told them before he died. There's a place for you. I'll get it ready, Jesus had said. You know the way. Thomas had panicked. I don't know the way to get there. Yes, you do, Jesus had said. I am the way and the truth and the life. When at last they reached the top of the highest hill near Jerusalem, Jesus turned to them and said, Go everywhere and tell everyone the happy news. Tell them I love them so much that I died for them. It's the truth that overcomes the terrible lie. God loves his children. Yes, He really does. Suddenly, the whole sky was filled with a dazzling light. Now everyone can come home to God, Jesus said. Death is not the end of you. You can live forever with your Father in heaven, because I have rescued the whole world. And something amazing happened. Jesus rose up into the bright air, higher and higher. They shaded their eyes and watched him go until a cloud hid Jesus so they couldn't see him anymore. They stood looking up into the sky like that for a long time. Suddenly, two shining men appeared. What are you doing? they asked. Jesus has gone up to heaven, but one day he will come back in the same way you saw him leave, from heaven and from the sky. Jesus' friends went back to Jerusalem with a strange gladness inside their hearts and with something Jesus said that stuck in their minds. Even though you won't be able to see me anymore, I will never leave you. No, not ever. I will be with you. Yes, always and always. Forever. How can Jesus be with us and leave us at the same time, they wondered. They didn't understand. No, but soon they would.
1: Good morning. Good morning to those who are watching the live stream and to those in F3. Glad we can all joined together this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we've already had to hear your word read to us, to be able to sing to you and to acknowledge how amazing you are, to be able to bless your name. We thank you. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue this morning and uh, as I speak and as my brothers and sisters in Christ listen, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide our time and uh, help us to see what you would want us to see and that we would praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. My dad uh, worked for 30 years in a company called Clark Equipment. It made big earth movers and forklifts and things like that. Uh, during that 30 years, I remember as, as we were growing up, I, uh, there were different times where he was laid off. Um, and, and I remember one time, <coughs> it was for quite some time, and uh, kind of the, uh, the, the cupboards were bare a little bit. And uh, one, one day we had uh, a, a knock at the door and there was a friend of mine from high school, a dear friend, Ted Chen, and he and his dad were standing at the door and they said, here, come to our car. We went to their car and they opened the car doors and the whole car was filled with groceries. And uh, it was such a gift. It was such a kindness. Um, and obviously, ultimately, uh, that was a kindness of the Lord because the Lord gives many gifts to those who know him, to those who uh, love him, to his, to his children. God is a giver of all good gifts. Uh, he's constantly giving gifts and benefits to his children. Uh, I, I believe the greatest gift that he gives us is himself, that we can have an intimate, personal relationship with God. And uh, James 1.17 tells us every Thing given that is good and perfect comes from above, comes from the Father of lights. Uh, our passage this morning is going to be Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 53, so you can take your Bibles and you can turn there. Um, before we go there, though, I want to spend a little bit of time in Psalm 103, and that's going to be the backdrop um, of our, of our uh, Luke passage, and I'm going to kind of format our Luke outline to uh, the outline or, or uh, how... Uh, psalm 103 is laid out. Psalm 103 is a is a wonderful psalm by David, and it expresses uh, joyful gratitude for, for uh, who God is and and what He's done. And so we're going to look at Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5, that say, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases." who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth will be renewed like the eagle. This is a wonderful passage because it talks about, David is saying that we must self-exhort ourselves to praise and bless God. He's, he's saying that this, we, we need to take charge of our thinking and we need to be people who are praising God Really, throughout the day, that is an ongoing worship relationship that we have with God every day. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. It, it, it's a similar to Psalm 104 1 that he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. David is saying, We need to remind ourselves, we need to bless the Lord. And this idea of blessing. Um, it means basically to praise, but it has a, a little bit of a different um, nuance to it, and that is it's a, it's, it's a distinct meaning of expressing joyful gratitude as an enrichment of God, meaning that when I'm praising God in my heart, when I'm worshiping him, it's going to come out in my words as well, and people are going to know that, that, I, that I'm a worshiper of Jesus. And it's going to encourage them to do the same thing. It's kind of like Psalm 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This idea of my soul boasting in the Lord. I'm going to be magnifying the Lord with others like you. And when we do that together, we enrich, we enhance Our view of God. We help each other see who God is and and how amazing He is. And so, David's self exhortation bless the Lord, be someone who praises God so that others would do the same. This idea of His soul, His, the very, everything that He is, His will, His reasoning, His emotions, His affections, is uh, putting His attention on who God is bless the lord and it is the lord who we bless not his gifts not his benefits we bless him his holy name he's incredibly unique transcendently above and beyond anything or anyone we only bless him he is the one who's worthy of praise but verse 2 he says bless the lord O my soul and forget none of his benefits this word forget it's, it's more than just a slip of the memory. This is actually kind of a warning or a corrective word. A word that has, carries with it the idea that don't ignore God's blessings. Don't stop acknowledging what God has done. And he's saying that, that's why he has this self-exhortation. Remember, remember, remind myself, rehearse what God has done and who he is so that I will bless him and acknowledges greatness because of his benefits. What is the idea of benefits? The benefits refer to these gracious and charitable deeds um, given to those in need. We're in great need. We're in great need of God every day. We depend on him for everything. And so God has given us these wonderful benefits. These are gifts, good gifts from God, gifts given to the needy out of a heart of love and a desire to help us. And so he's he's saying, bless the Lord, acknowledge his greatness. Don't forget his benefits. Don't ignore it. But actually enter in and and begin more and more to praise God. Well, he gets to the benefits. What are the benefits? Who, Who pardons all your iniquities? Our greatest need is taken care of. Our sin problem is taken care of in Jesus Christ. He pardons all of our iniquities. This idea that This text stretches the nature of forgiveness and its repeated action. He is a forgiving God because he constantly forgives. He constantly forgives us. 1 John 1, 9 is a a restoration of fellowship verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's given to believers as a restoration of our fellowship with him when we sin against him. And he wants us to come before him and say the same thing that he does about sin. And he restores our fellowship with him and with one another. He pardons all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. And this is the idea where God takes... Physical our physical diseases or our spiritual diseases and he heals them Either he chooses to do it now Here before heaven or he will ultimately do it When we see him face to face we will be healed of everything Uh, a dear friend of mine uh, George Thomas who um, Discipled me when I was younger and carried on we we carried on um, an ongoing friendship. Uh, He was in my wedding and uh, he and I talk regularly together. Um, he just entered hospice care yesterday, and Susan and I, after the second service, are going to drive to Alexandria and be with Bev and, and hopefully to see George. Um, but God is going to heal him uh, of all of his diseases and uh, when he sees him face to face. And it's such an incredible promise. Bev asked him yesterday. She texted me, and she said that She said to him, do you want to go home to be with Jesus? And he nodded, yes. And she said, it's okay, go, go home. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. They have modeled what it means to bless the Lord. They have modeled what it means to trust him in all things, even um, when God chooses to heal the disease after we die. Who redeems your life from the pit? God rescues us from hell. That's the bottom line. I deserve hell. I deserve the second death in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, we all do. But because of his kindness and graciousness, he instead of giving us hell, he crowns his children with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's a loyal love. He treats us like children of the king. This is what God is like. And who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth will be renewed like the eagle. God is, God is our satisfaction, God is enough. God meets all of our needs. And he's telling us he, he, that he gives us these amazing benefits to live our life. Well, <clears throat> I, wanted to, I wanted just to spend a few moments in that to say we're, we're going to use this kind of as a format as we move forward into Luke 24, um, 36 through 53, because we see Jesus and his appearances. And um, Luke 24, 36 through 53 is, is probably three different appearances, um, but, <clears throat> but we'll, move, we'll move through it and we're, gonna, we're going to see that the benefits that Jesus says when he appears to his disciples, the wonderful things that he has given to them, and ultimately is, is us as well, because we see these, these truths um, throughout all of scripture uh, directed towards believers. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at this, we're gonna bless the Lord together as we, as we think about what Jesus said to them and what Jesus gave them. So beginning with verse 36, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who gives his peace. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be to you. When Jesus said, Peace be to you, he, he, and, and he enters this, this locked, locked room, and he says, Peace be to you, this was more than a, than, hey, how are you guys doing? This peace be to you was based on the cross. This peace be to you was based on the resurrection of what we've been singing and Les mentioned about it before he prayed. And peace be to you. We, have, we, we, we can have peace with God. Isn't that incredible? I, I might be a little strange in that many times, and I don't know what it is, when I, when I lay my head down on my pillow to go to, to sleep at night, many times, not every night, but many times I have this thought. I'm at peace with the creator of the universe. My sins are forgiven, and and I'm at peace with him. I stand before I can stand before him because of what Christ has done. Peace be to you, we can have peace with God. Romans five one says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. We were once enemies according to Ephesians two, one through three. We were even objects of his wrath because of our sin. But now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have peace with God. We were once his enemies, we were at war with him, but now through Jesus, he has drawn us close and he actually calls us friends. We have peace with God. We can also have peace with one another because of the cross. Listen to 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace and the God of peace will be with you. We can have peace together, and we experience that peace as brothers and sisters in Jesus as long as we are submitted to to his kingdom rule in our hearts. We have set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts. That he is the one who we're, we're, we're controlled by his love. But not only can we have peace with God, peace with others, but because of the cross, and the resurrection, we can have peace within our hearts. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14:27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He gives peace. Not as the world gives. We're in a dark place. We live in, in, in a dark world. But he's saying, I'm giving you my peace because he's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah twenty six three says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Again, goes back to Psalm one hundred three, this self exhortation that my mind is stayed on Christ. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm getting to know him through his word, and and he gives peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just have a thought to consider when it comes to this idea of peace. First, I just want to share that if you don't know that you have peace with God, if you don't know God, if, you, if, if Jesus is not your Savior, he can become your Savior this morning. You need to recognize that you're a sinner, that you're separated from God, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, he's, he died for you. He, he was buried and he rose again. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you can be brought into a relationship with him. John 1, 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. That, that, that peace with God is an offering, is a gift. And it comes through Christ alone. But if you're a believer this morning and you struggle maybe with anxiety, I, I just want to share the idea with, uh, with you about Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know, th- this is interesting because the, the first thing God's, uh, Paul says that we're to do is just pray. Be anxious for nothing, but, but pray. Talk to the Lord. He's saying t- it's just talk to the Lord about your situation. He wants to hear it. He knows everything, but he still wants to hear what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. He wants you to talk to him. And then he says, and then bring your supplication. You're asking for help. We approach the throne of grace asking for help, and he gives grace and mercy in time of need. And so he's saying, ask, ask for help. And then he says, give thanks. Give thanks for who God is. Give thanks for how he's going to answer, when he's going to answer, whatever he's going to do, but he's working. And then rest. Rest in the promise that he says the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise of the presence of Jesus himself. Now, this is not a four-step magical way of getting rid of anxiety. That's not what I'm saying. But what it is, is an invitation from the risen Christ who says, peace be to you. It's an invitation of, of, of fellowship with him and he will walk with you through it. It's a, it's a wonderful invitation to grow in intimacy with Jesus. The more I dwell on my trouble, it only compounds my anxiety. The more I talk to the Lord and dwell on his word, the greater my trust and rest in him is. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who gives his assurance. Look at verse 37 of Luke 24. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. Now, it's interesting. You might, we might ask the question, well, why so the two guys from Emmaus were there, and they were just with Jesus. And then they see Jesus again. Why are they freaking out? And then Peter evidently saw Jesus early, earlier that day too, and, and he was fearful. So what was going on? Well, I think the answer might be is that the door was locked, and he just suddenly appeared. I, I, I just so I'm going to cut him some slack. You know that, that's pretty amazing. He just appeared, and apparently it was completely suddenly. And, and all at once, Jesus was there. And then, in verse 38, And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus showed, him, showed them the marks on his hands and his feet. He, he noticed, he obviously knew that they were troubled, that they had doubts, that they were struggling with this whole thing. They were really having a hard time, but Jesus gave them assurance. It's me. It's the one that you know. And and what they were able to see out of the tenderness and patience of Jesus was the risen Christ is just like the Christ that they knew previously. That he was kind and patient and giving them assurance. Look at verse 41. While they still could not believe it, because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And I, I like the phrase, could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. Again, two days before, all of their hopes were dashed and crashed because the one who they loved and who they believed to be their savior had died. He breathed his last breath and there he was, dead and buried. And all of a sudden now, he's standing in front of them. This is incredible. And so Jesus, again, out of his kindness, he says, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him fish. Jesus demonstrating to them that he was not a ghost or a spirit, but that he had a, a new body, and this body was amazing. <laughs> and, and, and he gave them assurance because that's just who he is. Thoughts to consider. When he says, why are you troubled and, and why do doubts arise? Jesus was concerned about his disciples that they were troubled and had doubting hearts. Jesus is so tender-hearted and concerned about our troubles and doubts as well. Jesus will show himself. I love Psalm 91.15 that says, He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And so my encouragement is, is just to call upon him. To call upon him. I, I sent this verse last night when I got back from FSAT. I, I sent Psalm 91.15 to to Bev, George's wife, and she texted back and she said, thank you so much. I, she said, I, I just read Psalm 91 to George. <laughs> I just think it neat how the Lord does that, and just, a, just an encouragement. Well, this is one of those where it's this, this next section is a, is pro, is a possible, probable, um, different, or separate appearance. Um, But it is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who gives clarity and confidence in his word. Look at verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again um, on the third day. So Jesus gives testimony To the reliability and trustworthiness of the scriptures. Jesus shows that every story does whisper his name, that all scripture points to the person of Jesus. And he upholds the authority of the law, the prophets, and the wisdom literature that that they spoke of him. And there's so many prophecies uh, of of Jesus. Um, You know, just just a few here. They pierced my hands and feet, Psalm 22:16. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22.1 They gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me a vinegar to to drink. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. He protects all his bones not one of them is broken and they looked at me whom they pierced. Just over and over and over again. Specific prophecies about Jesus himself. Pastor D. James Kennedy who is now with Jesus um, wrote wrote this. I, I found this to be Helpful, it is noteworthy that in no other religious writing in the world do we find any specific predictive prophecies like we find in the scripture. You will find no predictive prophecies whatsoever in the writings of Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, or Hinduism. Yet in the scriptures, there are well over 2,000 prophecies, most of which have already been fulfilled. Of all the attacks that have ever been made upon the scripture, there has never been one book written by a skeptic to disprove the prophecies of the scripture. Through the Bible, though the Bible has been attacked in at every other place, the one place where God rests His inspiration is that the things He foretells come infallibly to pass. Amen. We see God hundreds of years before in the Scriptures telling very specific things over and over again of the Messiah. Jesus opened their eyes to understand the Scripture. He caused them to understand this: that He had to suffer, that He had to die and that he had to rise again. And, he under, and, and so they understood that because he later is going to tell them in a few minutes, he's going to say, you are witnesses of this. Now go tell the, all the nations about this. So he opened their eyes to help them understand. I remember when my eyes were opened. October 1976, I can't remember the day, so i just give you the month. My eyes were opened. Two people shared with me and my two brothers who Jesus was is and my eyes were open I understood I'm just so thankful what a gift to understand that Jesus Christ died and rose again well the benefits of God's word given to given to the disciples he gave confidence to them in in the scriptures and Jesus did that on on many many times but I I was thinking of uh, two specific times where Jesus gives confidence in the scriptures and one of them is the temptation of Jesus, where he was confronted by the devil, and over and over again, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. His reliance on the scriptures, and then the transfiguration, where th- these amazing things happen, where Jesus is transfigured right before uh, the three disciples, and and then all of a sudden, two dead prophets show up, Moses and Elijah, and, and, <clears throat> and then the the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to Him. That listen to Him is crucial because He's saying listen to Jesus. We're, we're told the same thing. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. We're, we're told to be in the Scriptures, which is listening to Jesus. And it's interesting because Peter's takeaway from, this, from that amazing event He's saying the, the most important thing. He says in Second Peter chapter one, verses 16 through 21. You can look that up sometime and, and see what Peter's takeaway is. I'm, I was, I'll just want to read verse 19. He says, "So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God." Peter's takeaway is a confirmation of the word of God from the transfiguration. Because, and and that that phrase, pay attention, it's, um, it's in the present tense, meaning don't ever stop listening. Don't ever stop paying attention to the word of God because we desperately need it because it's a lamp shining in a dark place. Thoughts to consider about the scriptures. I just want to ask this question. How can you take incremental steps So the scriptures are in you, and you are in the scriptures. Ask God to help you place your confidence in the scriptures so it is the first place you go for counsel. It's the very first place you go. What does God say about this situation, no matter what it is, whether it's a trial or whether it is a blessing? What does God, how does he want me to view this? Ask God to help you. Place your confidence. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 24. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Psalm 20, or 73, 24. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Basically, my whole life is to be surrendered to the word of God and in the word of God. He is my counselor, the wonderful counselor. What does God have to say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who gives a message of forgiveness to proclaim. Verses 47 and 48. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. He's telling the disciples, you witness my death, burial, and resurrection. Now go tell. Go tell. First they experience the forgiveness that God gives as the benefit of forgiveness, who pardons all your iniquities, and then... He tells them to go. What a privilege to be able to go. He tells us the same thing. He gives us this gift of of forgiveness. And then he tells us to go. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21, he says, we are an ambassador for Christ. That we have been given the message of reconciliation so that we can go tell others about who Jesus is is and, and what he's done. That there is forgiveness in Christ. Thoughts to consider for this is we are witnesses. What have you witnessed concerning Jesus in your own heart? What has Jesus done for you or in you? Who can you share the love and truth about Jesus in the next few weeks? Just an encouragement. Maybe, maybe it's family members. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a coworker. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who gives his spirit and his power? Jesus gave the benefit, the gift of his Holy Spirit. Look at verse 49. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Basically, the Holy Spirit was going to come and he was going to enable them for the task. The task of telling all nations. He was a, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit would be the presence of God in their hearts, that the love of God was poured out into their hearts, that the Holy Spirit is a person, and it is how we grow in our relationship with Christ, is through the Spirit. And so they were going to be led by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit in their character, in their <clears throat> actions, and in their words, and in accomplishing the task. And the, the coming of the Spirit would be fulfilled at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It's an incredible, incredible story. Thoughts to consider for this. Do you need to learn more about the Holy Spirit? What is it that, that, that God would want to teach you from his word about his spirit? What does it mean to depend on the spirit? What does it mean to, um, to produce the fruit of the spirit, to be led by the spirit? There are wonderful things to learn in scriptures, And it's wonderful to learn these things in the context of community here at FBC. Maybe a small group or a relational discipleship group where you can gather with other believers and and search the scriptures for these things. It's a great opportunity. Well, here we come with the closing, and this is a separate appearance as well. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who gives his kindness. Look at verses 50 and 51. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Jesus blessed them. This was not well-wishing on Jesus' part. Jesus was actually demonstrating his kindness. This word blessing has to do, carries the idea of God's kindness. And so Jesus blessed them. He was giving them a blessing of welfare and peace and power uh, he was extending his kindness to them again. And, and it, it's so, I, I love Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds so that everything that God does is righteous and everything that God does is kind. And so even in this final moment, as Jesus is ascending into heaven, he's showing kindness by blessing them. Thoughts to consider on this would be, in the midst of trial or trouble or blessings, do we focus on the character of God? And I say blessings because obviously when we think of trials, we want to we think about God and we want to think about how good he is. But blessings, can we, we can be tempted to become self-sufficient when things are going well. But God, God wants us to realize who he is in that as well, is that we would, we're depending on him during those times because every good and perfect gift comes from him anyways during a particular trial I was experiencing a couple years ago, I just decided that I would um, focus on the kindness of God and and so if I could encourage you, this is kind of a a neat thing to do, is you you could um, take an attribute of God and study it in the scriptures and say, well, how does this apply? What, What is true about God in this way, about his kindness maybe, about his love, about his sovereignty, how does this apply to what I'm going through? How can God instruct me in this so that I can so that I can rest in him and, and trust in him more with this. <clears throat> and, and it was interesting because what I found was this, that we're, I'm told in Ephesians chapter 1 that um, I was saved, you were saved, because of the kindness of God, the, the kind intention of his will. God decided out of kindness. But I'm also told in Ephesians 2, 7, as I was looking at the kindness of God and the, the trial that I was going through, I'm also told that I'm going to be an object of God's kindness for all eternity. He's going to shower His kindness. I'm on the receiving end of God's kindness for all eternity. And so, whatever I'm going through, I, I, I believe because everything He does is kind. God, I believe God was teaching me this: is that everything that comes my way goes through the filter of His kindness. It's for my good, and it's for His glory, and He has a plan. And and I want to trust him because he is so incredibly kind. The last point here is who will respond with a heart of worship and praise? Verses 52 and and 53. And they were worshiping him, returning to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising God. Just a few comments about this. It's interesting that the book of Luke begins in the temple with Zechariah and worship worship in prayers, but it also, there's also worship happening because Mary it finds out that she's going to give birth to Jesus and she has a beautiful, humble song of worship. So the book of Luke begins in the temple and now the book of Luke ends in the temple, but what they're doing is it's worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Worship is what they're doing. And, and if you were to do a little study on, on the idea of joy, if you do a little study on, on joy, you would find that joy is seen throughout the Book of Luke, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. And so we have this idea of worship. The Gospel ends with the disciples continually worshiping God in the temple, praising Him. And and so I just want to encourage us in this way. We started with worship. Uh, with psalm 103 we have seen that god blessed the lord for all these wonderful gifts and benefits but again we we bless the one who gives them they are to remind us of his kindness and his goodness and and he gives these things to us to point us to him it the, the thought to consider for this last thing here is psalm 145 1 and 2 i will extol you my god o king and i will bless your name forever and ever Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Isn't that cool? Every day I will bless you. I will, I, I will praise you. And so my, my, my encouragement is, is, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for me? An everyday intentional worshiper. Self-exhortation to bring my thoughts, in, in a sense, take every thought captive like 2 Corinthians 10 um, verse 5 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is what, this is what he's like. We, we, he wants us to be worshiping. Now, we're going to worship every day. It's just a matter of who or what. And, uh, and let's just be encouraged. We, we can worship throughout the day um, our good and kind and loving Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how amazing you are. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you that we can grow in intimacy with you as we spend time in your word, as we spend time worshiping you throughout the day. Uh, Lord, I pray that that you would be honored and glorified by our lives, that that we would be in your word, (laughs) Lord, until you take us to be with you. Lord, um, we, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.